0: Before we get started, uh, there was a scripture verse assigned to this lesson, 2 Timothy 3:16 and 17. I did you a favor and reminded you of the of the verse. What is the verse? I have a Reese's, I have a, it could be your payday, and a baby Ruth. Who would like to try? Davis, 2 Timothy 3:16 and 17. Unless you have it written on your hand, as you should have it written on your heart. Would someone else like to go while he's uh, while he's recalling it? Come on, this is the third week. Come on, sh- sh- show your pastor you've been doing your homework. Now you, I know why you did it. You need the nutrients. which which one? <laughs> Davis? All scripture. Profitable. Okay, Cindy, do you have Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen memorized? Yeah, it works. if you have the message? Are you being helped? That the man of God may be. Well, you 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 know you you did very well for being on the spot. Would you like a baby Ruth or a payday? No, you're it. Yeah, you're it. Which one? You get it for trying. Okay. All right. So, what my endeavor for this was um, was to just talk about the nature of revelation. Um, and uh, if you remember, we uh, we looked at how God has revealed Himself to us, because there are there are many ways that people claim God has revealed Himself, and some of those claims are true, and some of those are false. Uh, There were two main ways that God has revealed himself. What were they? And natural and special revelation. What, just, what's natural revelation? God revealing himself through creation and conscience because God has put eternity in our hearts and what can be known about God is clearly evident to men even though they suppress it. Anthony talked about that last week. Um, and then, uh, in addition to natural revelation, which is evident to everybody, whether they want to believe it or not, God has also revealed himself in many times and in many ways, visions, dreams, and what, what's all that special revelation, which one's better? What? Special revelation is better because it's, it, 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 uh, it's more specific. Okay. Yeah, uh, we looked at how uh, special revelation helps accomplish the goals of this class uh, through special revelation, not through natural revelation. You can be assured of your salvation. You can be equipped for the Christian life. You can know God better. Okay. So we're, we're looking at uh, the uniqueness of, that the Bible has in, in that whole sphere of revelation, in all the ways that God has revealed Himself, we're looking at how Scripture is unique, uh, and we're looking at just at some general information about the Bible. The Bible uh, took approximately 1,600 years to complete. Uh, that the the Game of Thrones guy is taking what like 12 years. People are still buying his books. Um, scripture took 1,600 years. Uh, beginning approximately 1500 B.C. um, You know, Adam and his descendants could have written stuff down, but um, we attribute Moses as being uh, the author of Genesis, at least the the, the formal record uh, was written down approximately 1500 B.C. with Moses and was concluded by which apostle around 95 to 100 A.D.? John, okay. 40 different authors, and this this helps speak to uh, the uniqueness uh, and the fact that God is the ultimate author, is that you have 40 different authors, uh, most of whom we know, some whom we don't, and some people think that that's outrageous, but um, uh, for approximately 40 different authors. A lot of them, uh, a lot of the unknowns are in the Psalms. Um, and yet, they all have the same message. They all, all, every contribution they make to the whole is it, uh, has continuity. There's no contradictions. Uh, you get you get 40 different collaborators over a over a time span like that. Even if they even if they were contemporaries and all spoke the same language, you're not going to get a piece of work that has that much continuity. Uh, it, it's like a jigsaw puzzle where everything fits perfectly in place. Um, like I said, began with Moses. Uh, David wrote a lot, uh, several other psalmists. Um, most of the prophets wrote the book that bears their names. Um, only some of the apostles uh, wrote Scripture. Uh, Ma- uh, Matthew. Um, Peter's memoirs are commonly attributed to be the Gospel of Mark. Um, Luke got his, Luke's even says he got all of his uh, information from a bunch of different sources. But really the, uh, the criteria that the early church looked for uh, determining, uh, for recognizing what was and wasn't scripture was, uh, what's the proximity to the apostles? Does the, was this letter, was this book written by an apostle or a very close associate of the apostles, such as Luke or Jude? Question.
1: Yeah.
0: Apocrypha. No, that was that was called a gnostic gospel. So what by- well, people like people like to think so, but. But uh, uh, the evidence, scholarly evidence, shows that it was dated in the late 200s. I mean, it was, it was written over a century after. I mean, even, even John's own writings come after most of the other apostles passed off the scene. Um, uh, the Gospel of Judas, as well as many, uh, they call them pseudopigrapha, pseudopigrapha pseudo pseudo-something. Pseudo meaning, pseudo meaning false. graphia meaning to write. Uh, there were many. There were many letters that were um, passed around, and I, I think um, Paul or Peter in Second Peter refers to those um, uh, trying to, to pass around their false teaching to try to, to try to lure people after them. Paul talks about that in Acts twenty. There were many people trying to pose as apostles. Paul even talks about the super apostles who were trying to shame him and his ministry to elevate their own platform. There there were some trying to pose as legitimate spokesmen of Christ. that were that aren't in the Bible after like Right. 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 The uh the the evide- what went into de- to determining what was and wasn't legitimate was how did the earliest Christians receive it? the gospel of judas was not was not passed around or no but there was nobody affirming or standing by the gospel of judas in you know in the um in the first century because there were no the, the book wasn't around the the book originated in the mid to to later second century and even then the earliest churches the churches like um rome and ephesus the churches where the apostles themselves ministered or planted those were called the apostolic churches um, those were the churches where uh in the sec in the what century second and third century, the patriarchs um arose those were kind of like the mother churches. none of those ever claimed that all of these little letters that were popping up all over the place um had any credibility it w- it was It was always churches and bodies on the fringe oh we need to this is something new this is something fresh we need to you know. Yes, yeah, um, I like questions. Thank you. If, if ever have any question or something you really want to talk about, raise your hand. The, the, you know. Um, as I said, some of the authors are unknown. Most of those books are are, uh, are in the minority. Sixty-six books in all. In your English, you will have thirty-nine in the Old Testament. Twenty. Um, with I think 24 in the Hebrew Bible, but that's because books like First and Second Samuel were just Samuel, First and Second Kings were just Kings, and so on and so forth. Ezra and Nehemiah was one book too. Uh, 27 in the New Testament. Okay, so when we say that the Bible was inspired of God and completely inerrant, without errors, without, um, without. Uh, um, wrong in it. We're talking about the original manuscripts, the the actual letter that Pe- the letters that Peter and Paul and John and the others wrote, or the the prophets wrote. Those were inerrant, uh, and we don't have any of those today. We we have copies of copies of copies of copies, and even what's remarkable is Bart Ehrman, who's one of the leading critical scholars, uh, he, he's a skeptic, I uh, believe he's an atheist now, even he will admit, yeah, we know what the original document said. You know, there's 20,000 uh, fragments of manuscripts out there, and using the principles of the game of telephone, the fact that 99.99999% of them, when you put them together, you can tell what the original text said. Uh, and there's no doctrinal variance. So we know what the original text said. But we we don't have any of them surviving today. Uh, but as I just said, we can reliably know what the original manuscripts said. Uh, the original manuscripts were written in three languages. What's the first one? Hebrew, which would be a fantastic name for a for a Christian coffee shop. Uh, the Hebrew comprised most of the Old Testament. Second language, Greek, all of the New Testament. Who uh, the Greek uh, was used to write the Septuagint. You may you may see uh, you may either hear Septuagint, uh, which comes from the Greek word for seventy, because supposedly seventy elders or scribes wrote it uh, around three centuries. Um, Uh, before the time of Christ. It's the Greek copy of the Old Testament. Um, And then, as I said, all of the New Testament is Greek. Who knows what the third language was? Aramaic. Uh, Several chapters of Daniel, which conveniently is the part where uh, Daniel is describing life in Persia. Um, And then Ezra Nehemiah, which is um those, that's the book chronicling the return from persia uh and it you know you read ezra and you you see a point where uh they come back and the priests have a piccadillo of a time explaining the scriptures to the people because nobody can understand the old you know it's because everyone's speaking aramaic, so speak aramaic? yes yes okay So, uh, the Bible doesn't call itself the Bible. Um, it calls it, uh, we get the word Bible from scroll or book and the book, uh, uh, the Bible became known as the book. And even today, uh, Muslims refer to Jews and Christians as people of the book. Uh, scripture means, uh, writing, uh, as it like inscribe something, uh, We see that in in a couple passages uh, where scriptures is is the writing, Second Timothy three fifteen. You have known the writings since your since your youth. It's called the Word of God. Um, There's a great uh, uh, summary statement where Jesus uh, opens, um, reveals the things concerning himself in the law, the prophets, and the psalms, and that is basically the the Jewish breakdown of the Old Testament. The Torah, law, the Naviim, prophets, and the Ketuvim, uh, the writings or Psalms. And if uh, Torah, Naviim, Ketuvim, T-N-K, Tanakh. Who's, who's heard the word Tanakh before? That's that's what the Jews call the Old Testament. So you, uh, you, if you ever talk to a Jew, you're not going to, they're not going to call it the Old Testament. We call it the Old Testament. Uh, it's also called the law or the law of Moses or even sometimes just Moses. We've seen Jesus say, Moses said. Uh, in the Psalms, it, it can be called the statutes, precepts, law, word, commands, extru- instruction, etc. The Bible, as I just said, is composed of two halves, an Old Testament and a New Testament. And again, that's, that is a very Christian way to look at it testament comes from a word meaning will or contract between two parties old testament is founded on and it gets its name from the fact that it's uh of the old covenant or the mosaic covenant or the sinaitic covenant that is uh shown um you know when when Moses when they uh, the israelites are encamped at sinai just before the wilderness they're on the verge of you know taking the promised land. Moses goes up on the mountain to receive the covenant. Um, that's, where the old, that's where the old covenant gets its name from, or Mosaic or Sinaitic covenant. Um, there was a strong emphasis um, on obedience and blessing. And, and uh, if you remember back in the spring, we looked at that American gospel video. Do you remember that distinction between you do and God blesses you? As opposed to God has done walk, walk in, uh, walk in grace. That, you know, we call that law and gospel. That was present in the Old Testament, but it was very subtle. Um, there was a strong emphasis on if you walk in obedience, you will be blessed. That was a much stronger emphasis. And you can see this, uh, in when the, the old covenant is being ratified. Exodus nineteen five, If, conditional clause, if you indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then, implying if you don't, then not, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples. Again, when, when the people, when the second generation is having the law reiterated to them, you know, the first generation is passed off, uh, Moses says in Deuteronomy 28, now it shall be if conditional, you diligently obey the Lord your God, being careful to do all His commandments which I command you today, and then implied, then the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. But it will come about if this is down in verse 15, and this is a this is the chapter where there's like 14 or 15 verses of blessings and like 60 verses of curse. Uh, Emphasis on if and then if you do not obey the lord Your god to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes which, which I charge today then All these curses will come upon you And overtake you Now whereas the old testament is has a strong emphasis on obedience and blessing the new testament much more strongly emphasizes that Uh, that gospel aspect that god has done this for you god has done it where where and when you could not do it and uh, uh and that's why we get the new covenant and we're gonna we're gonna see that um you know in the upper room um and the i'd say the book that best expresses this is uh justin's favorite book the book of hebrews that is still your favorite book right what's the first favorite thought you were a hebrews guy uh and and really the 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 gist of hebrews it's written to uh uh, jewish christians native jewish christians who are being tempted to go to revert back to their judaism um the book is saying jesus the the new covenant everything we get in jesus is far better than everything that was in the old testament in the old testament you the, the people had the rest of Coming into the land of Canaan, a, a land that they didn't plow, houses they didn't build, vineyards they didn't plant. They just get it. And it, it, that, that is considered rest for them. Um, the rest we have in the New Testament, uh, in, in, in the gospel, is far better. Because you don't have to walk, you don't. Uh, your salvation is not conditioned upon your ability to keep law. Uh, we have a, a better high priest who intercedes and mediates for us. We have a better covenant. Uh, we have a better rest. We have a better temple. We have, um, yeah, it's it's better. The new covenant is better. Okay, so so we have this old testament. We have this new testament. And some of some of your Bibles, uh, and and some of you may be familiar with this if you have a Catholic background. But there are these books in the middle called the apocryphal books. Um, what do we do with that? Well, the word means uh, hidden, hidden books. There are 14, and uh, here are uh, uh, the reasons why we can know that they are not inspired. They're not a part of the legitimate canon of inspired books. The Jews never, the Jews um, uh, at the time they were being written, the Jews at the time of uh, of the new of um, Jesus and the apostles in the New Testament, no Jews ever considered them authoritative. No Jews ever placed them on the same level as Scripture. Ever. They are never quoted in the New Testament. You have you have books of Moses. You have uh, uh, Psalms. You have, I mean, there are some books that aren't quoted. I think Esther's never quoted. But um, you have books from every category in the Old Testament. Moses and the writings and the prophets. You have them quoted throughout the Gospels, throughout the epistles. Uh, and there's a bunch of allusions in uh, in Reve- in Revelations. Not once is any apocryphal book, ever quoted or alluded to in the slightest in any part of the New Testament. Um, Jesus has a uh, um, kind of a, a summary or encapsulation of the Old Testament in Luke 24, uh, 44 to 45, uh, where um, uh, he says, these, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all the things which are written about me... In the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Where are the apocryphal books? Seems seems Jesus doesn't include them in his summary of the Old Testament. They uh, they 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 were they were incl- uh, I'm going to get to that. They were se- they were considered helpful, like you and I might consider the book of maps to be a helpful tool, you know. They give you images and things to think about, um, but they were, they were just considered helpful. They were not considered authority. So they, they, they were thrown in, and then over time, it's like, well, we have all this stuff. Uh, seems the earlier generations included it with the rest of the book, so yeah, anyway. Um, I'm going to skip that one. Um, well, no, I won't skip that one. Uh, Jesus has a, uh, you know, we have a, a, a saying from A to Z, you know, kind of a, a, a another encapsulating way. Jesus has a, a, a an encapsulating statement like that in Luke eleven fifty one when he refers to the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah. When was Abel killed? Genesis. Zechariah was killed in uh, in your English Bible. It's not in the last book. It was in Second Chronicles. But in the Jewish Bible, uh, Second Chronicles was the last book written. So that's that's a way of saying from the first book of the Tanakh to the last book of the Tanakh. Um, and Second Chronicles was before, was several centuries before even the earliest apocryphal book. So then why are they included in some Bibles? <coughs> the answer is that they were traditionally seen as helpful but uninspired. And over time, the helpful um, be, be, people thought it, uh, uh, they, 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 they uh, yeah, you, you get what I'm trying to say. Uh, a man named Don Stewart says, um, Jerome explicitly, Jerome was a church father in the fourth, fourth, early fifth century. Jerome explicitly denied that they should have the status as scripture. Jerome said they were not books of the canon, but rather books of the church. He believed they could be helpful to people. But he clearly stated his belief that they were not divinely authoritative. His assessment of the Apocrypha was ignored. Um, And this is in his uh, intro. uh, It was an introduction to something. Uh, You can find it in a book called Preface to Jerome's Works. Uh, The Preface, page 492. That's a long preface. But he said, uh, "So Jerome said this: um, as then the church reads Judith, Tobit, and the Book of Maccabees, but does not admit them among the canonical scriptures, so let it read these two volumes, referring to the Wisdom of Solomon and Ecclesiasticus. So let him, let let the church read these two for the edification of the people, but important, not to give authority." two doctrines of the church. So Jerome, uh, at, at that time, it seems clear that even some of the apocryphal books were not considered authoritative. And Jerome is saying, we don't look at these as being authoritative. We should look at these the same way. And what happens is, was over time, uh, the Roman Catholic Church, especially by the time of the Protestant Reformation, um, they... They had begun um, appealing to these uh, as a basis for several doctrines. Um, And that was something I I also forgot to say why they should be rejected. Uh, There are some doctrines in them that are clearly contradictory to Scripture, such as uh, the teaching of purgatory. Scripture says um, it's appointed for man once to die, and after that the judgment. The doctrine of purgatory says "Eh, if you don't make it in, you can... Go to you know go to this place where you kind of you work off some of the excess fat, sin sin fat, and then eventually you'll get in. Um, teachings like purgatory, praying for the dead, um, salvation by works. They th- there was a belief that um, you could uh, you could become right with God or gain favor with God by giving of alms. Uh, that's that's not biblical. So uh, in the Council of Trent, which was the official response to the Reformation, the Roman Catholic Church for the first time um, gave their a th- support for the authority of the apocryphal books. Up until that point, there was no official s- statement, these are authoritative. After the Reformation, then there was. Okay, so at this point, uh, we could, uh, we can do one of two things. We could uh, look at, uh, go through a very brief survey of the Old and New Testament looking at the groupings of the books um, Which will basically be um, Reviewing what was in uh, the the homework, which I hope you've done or we can open it up for a time of discussion q and A. I'm getting to for a Q&A Okay And I want you to know if you have, oh, oh, okay, I would love to be able to respond to questions. Uh, if you can email them to me ahead of time, that's my email. Somebody did email me a question, did God love uh, uh, the people who drowned in the flood? Do you want to talk about that or do you want me to just give you my answer? Okay. If you love somebody, would you let, would you let them perish without doing anything or would you try to warn them? Yeah. The Bible says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness while he was building the ark. And the the gate the the the, the door of the ark wasn't closed until it was too late. Until until the rain fell. God gave the people every opportunity to escape the coming judgment and they said, "Nope." So, yeah, in, in one sense, you know, and, and this this is kind of like a couple of weeks ago when we looked at, you know, I talked about Jesus showing love to Judas. You know, love covers a multitude of sins. Love does not seek to, you know, to point out sin and accuse at first opportunity. Lo- love is tries to build up. Love tries to reconcile and restore. So God may not have shown a redemptive love, but he did show some kind of love to the people by giving them 120 years of worth of opportunity to be saved. So, does that answer your question? Anna's question? Yeah. I like Anna's questions. Okay.
1: check a check Hey. Um, Can we head back to that slide where right before the Apocrypha or right at the beginning of the Apocrypha. Um, yeah, and just show that whole Apocrypha slide real fast. Um, so the doctrinal errors, one, when you say almsgiving in Tobit, I, d- I don't know the exact reference. Okay. Are we talking literally about it has an explicit reference to give money, get salvation? Or
0: I would have to I would have to look at it. It, it, It's been about a month since I looked at it. I don't have it right in front of me. But I I remember reading that through the giving of alms, you could gain favor, you could gain righteousness. It's not just a matter. It's not just doing something for the sake of serving your brother or, or serving somebody. It's doing something to get something. Well, yeah, and that that um, they, they began as separate. but I mean, that that's a really good example. Um, they began as separate doctrines: uh, salvation through works, praying for the dead, or alms giving. But in they all kind of come together in in the um, practice of indulgences, which I don't I don't think the Roman Catholic Church has done that for a while. But um, I mean, who who doesn't re- recall? Um, what's-his-name's little jingle, uh, a coin in the coffer springs, a soul from Purgatory Springs. You know, and, and, and yes, it was, ri- it was in German first, but uh, it, the German still rhymes, which makes it legit. <laughs> do they? Yeah, I, I do recall him. I recall seeing a... So just so that you know, Pope Francis does not in any way resemble traditional Roman Catholicism. Roman Catholic apologetics and those who represent the Roman Catholic Church, they don't know what to do whenever, I mean, the way the way some people feel about Trump when he tweets is how Roman Catholics feel when Francis tweets. It's it's almost like he doesn't represent us. Um yeah, um, what 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 Francis says uh, he he's not a tradi- he doesn't represent or reflect traditional Roman Catholicism. Um, so I I do recall him giving like some massive free um, indulgence to, to people for but I don't remember if he limited its effect on certain areas of your life or it was, or if it was like a Joel Osteen just everybody kind of thing.
1: To clarify, indulgences are not paying for your own salvation. No, tra- traditionally
0: indulgences were for your loved ones who were in purgatory. Okay. I don't I don't think you I don't know if you could ever like lay away your, your own indulgence. Just to see how bad it is. For alms giving delivers from death and it will purge away every sin. Those who perform deeds of charity and of righteousness will have fullness of life. So, if you have any questions, she has the apocryphal books on her phone. Yeah. Any other anything else? Any, I mean, we got about seven minutes. About four hundred and thirty years ish. Is At Italy- at least 400. About, I think it was 430 years to be exact.
1: Is the traditional view that there was nothing? Um, God didn't speak in the same way, the or have any the, revelation.
0: The traditional view is that God was silent for those 400 years. That John the Baptist was like was like uh, a shooting star, or, or like you know, the, the sun just popping up after a long night. The, the traditional view was that God stopped talking after. Because the whole, uh, you know, if you look at Ezra and Nehemiah, um, you know, there was this Moses at the back in Deuteron- uh, Deuteronomy talked about, uh, or God had said that, you know, he would provide another one like Moses. And so and you remember in the Gospels there was this, you know, is he the prophet? Not just a prophet, but is he the prophet who is to come? So in the Old Testament, there, you know, there was some messianic expectation and there was, you know, there was uh, speculation, you know, is he Zerubbabel, um, you know, as z- uh, z- parts of Zechariah even uh, portray Zerubbabel as a type of Christ, um, you know, he would have the signet ring of God, you know, the, the seal of God, um, you know. Uh, and so there was this expectation, is Zerubbabel going to fulfill messianic prophecy? Well, no, he didn't. What about um, there was a, I think there was a Joshua, um, and then, and, you know, and then w- Nehemiah, is he, you know, he, he's he's rebuilding the wall. I mean, that was an incredible feat to rebuild the wall in, what, 41 days? Some, re- some ludicrously small but efficient amount of time, um, you know, you read when when the jews come back and they're basically getting everything going again there's this expect you know and they're they're being returned to the law there's this expect there's this question kind of buzzing in the background is this going to be the messianic kingdom is this where we are going to get things right is this the messiah is this the guy and then a few chapters later you find out that the priests and the people are intermarrying and they've you know they've left their jewish wives and they've married you know, uh, pagan wives and and everything, and 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 the Old Testament kind of ends with a a, a, a dull thud. Like, well, oh, I guess I guess this isn't the Messianic age. I guess you know, now what? And then you have four hundred years of silence, only to be broken with uh, the one who comes in the in the power and spirit of Elijah, saying, pro, "Make way the the make clear the way of the Lord." Eric. So is that 400 years, is that when those apocryphal books came out? Yes. So th- what is, do they give us like a history of what's going on during that time? First and second Maccabees way? do. I think all the Maccabees have a historical bent to them. The first, the first two books are more reliable. The second and third Maccabee, I, I don't, they, um, again, I haven't studied the Maccabees, but I remember reading that the, that the third and fourth Maccabees you really have to take with a grain of salt um, among all the apocryphal books, the only ones that are really only worth reading are the first two Maccabees because they're, they're, they're an account of history and that's about it um, all the other books Judith Bell and the Dragon Tobit Esdras first and Second Esdras third and fourth Maccabees those are all the ones like don't even like don't even just don't. Um, no, no, uh, Josephus lived at the end of the first century going into the second century. Um, I think it was one of the Maccabees who wrote. Um, and the Maccabees, um, if you've ever heard of the Hasmonean dynasty, um, these, the, the Hasmoneans were, um, basically the rulers, uh, um, we we looked at this at the uh, intertestamental equip uh, like two years ago. Um, the the uh, the rulers in the intertestamental period were the descendants of the Maccabees, and um, if you uh, the 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 remnants of Alexander the Great's armies actually got into a um, a fight over control of Israel because. Um, you had this Hasmonean, um, you had this Hasmosean, Hasmonean guy, this descendant of the, of the great Maccabus, and he, he wants to be priest and king. Um, I, I, I believe he was of the priestly line. Um, and then he, he felt, you know, well, I might as well be the king too. I'm the, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty bad dude. And, uh, that doesn't go well in, the, you know, in the history of the Jews when the priest becomes the king as well. Um. And so uh, you have this one guy, you know, his ego gets way out of control. And that's when um, I think the, uh, the Seleucids come in and wage war with him. Um, and then Rome comes in and offers to help, help them out and fights back the Seleucids. And the result of that is now, you know, uh, Judea is a um, free state under the protection of Rome. That's how they got their fri- their friend friends of Rome status.
1: Who was it officially who pulled together the sixty six books?
0: Uh, the first record, the first time in church history that you see the list of the of the books is in a uh, what's called a festal letter. Um, I think it. I think that is the word like about related to feast. But it's a letter of Athanasius that he wrote on the fourth or fifth or twentieth time he was in exile, um, and he he refer he speaks about it kind of as if, as if it's common knowledge. He doesn't make this grand announcement. Oh, by the way, I know you're all wondering which books are canon. Well, these are them. He he just kind of makes a casual reference to the books that to the list that we would be familiar with. That was in the fourth century, like mid to late 4th, I, th- I want to say it's like 375-ish, that's the first record of the canon being recognized as we know it. Um, you know, there was a lot of debate, there was a lot of talk in the first two or three centuries about uh, which books were and weren't. Some, you know, the 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 Gospels obviously, um, ha- I think, had the easiest road in, um you know paul's book of romans uh had the had a really easy way in it was more of the books like hebrews you know the identity of the author was lost to history it was received by the original audience because they probably knew the guy but over time that memo of who wrote it got lost and you know by the second century it's like we don't know who wrote this but it's really good stuff um so that you know, there was like two centuries of like, is Hebrews authoritative or not? Is Jude authoritative or not?
1: Along those lines, could I get a thirty-second answer to like, especially the Old Testament books where like the author or the the title, or character, dies like partway through? Yeah, Samuel, you have you
0: have Moses dying like in the middle or in the early part right. of the last chapter of Deuteronomy. Right. Probably, uh, Joshua probably mm-hmm. wrote it. Um, you know, there are, there are some cases where we don't know who the author was. Uh, we don't know who the chronicler was. We don't know who wrote Kings. Um, presumably. I'm really
1: thinking about, like, the, the first and second Samuel. Yeah. Sticks, you know, did,
0: did, was, did, did God give, a uh, revelation of the book of Samuel and did Samuel write it all, but even though he dies in what, chapter 12 or, th- or, th- or, I mean, or, um, no, we, some of the books were probably not. Um, written like I, d- I doubt Samuel wrote First and Second Samuel, but it's it's attributed to him. Um, but the but the important the takeaway is by the time of Christ, there the the whole canon of the Old Testament is recognized as authoritative. If Jesus didn't think the identity of the writer of these books was important, you know, if that's not something that we need for assurance of our salvation to to, to believe the Word of God is believable. I don't. Then I don't think we need to lose sleep over it. I mean, I mean, do, do we know for certain who wrote, who who was the first one, who who bought the the parchment for the Constitution, who who was the guy who actually wrote it? You know, does that mean that the document's not buying, not?
1: I was just going to say, uh, um, will you at any point address the Gnostic Gospels? They seem to be rising in popularity, and they're.
0: Well I, I did uh, uh uh were you in here when I talked about the Gospel of Judas there, there there were a lot of uh and I need to I need to wrap this up there were a lot of documents that you know um were that floated around you know espousing to be written by a legitimate apostle you know um um I think Paul even refers to somebody who wrote using his name um uh Paul uh some, one of the apostles says, uh, uh, Paul says, um, you know, that so, some people are trying to uh, uh, scare you thinking, I think it's in First Thessalonians, um, uh, as having received a letter from us. You know, so there were posers of the apostles in the, in the, even at that time. And so why wouldn't there be, you know, somebody who wrote something 100 years later trying to, hey, I've got something super spiritual, and it's from, uh, you know, erase their name put on paul it's from the apostle paul you know you should you should pay me money so i so to hear what paul has to say through my you know through what i have um the early church didn't recognize them the early church didn't receive them um and when you compare their content they contradict what the rest of scripture says one 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 mark of scripture is that there's continuity scripture does not contradict scripture scripture explains scripture Okay, I got to close. Good questions. Good questions. Lord, thank you for this morning. Uh, Please bless this service, bless these people, and bless me as I open my mouth. Amen.